Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. So we have been in this series going through the book of Mark over the last three weeks, and this is the third in the series. Larry titled this sermon, Questioning Jesus. And as we look at this series, and we look through a couple of passages here in the early book of Mark, we realize that there are times when people have questioned Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's good when we read it in Scripture, because sometimes we question Jesus, and we question the things that we read in Scripture as well. So it helps us to understand. Sometimes questioning Jesus deals with we don't quite understand what he's trying to say. There's an old story about a young 16-year-old girl that finally got permission from her dad to go out on her first date. I'm sure if you have a, have a daughter, you remember those trepid times when your kids were going to go out on the first date. Dad and mom had talked to this guy, this girl, and they had made preparations for this. She was excited for the first date, and a knock came on the door. Dad answered the door, and there stood her date. He must have been in his mid-30s. It was obvious that he had lived a hard life. A motorcycle was parked out in the driveway. He was covered with piercings and tattoos. He had long hair that was stringy and hadn't been washed. You know what the dad did, don't you? He slammed the door. He turned and he looked at his daughter and he said, you're not going out on a date with this guy. She said, but why, Daddy? And he said, did you look at him? You're not going out with him. And then she turned to her dad and said, Daddy, if he wasn't nice, why would he be doing a thousand hours of community service? You know, that's a funny little story, but it shows how two people can look at the same person and come to two completely different conclusions. And that happens a lot of times when we look at people and when God looks at people. When we come to talk about questioning Jesus, it's not that we doubt whether God is real, but sometimes we wonder, is he right? And this is especially true when Jesus in Scripture seems to endorse the wrong kind of people. There are a lot of criticisms that people bring up about Jesus. We could go on for hours and talk about the different things that people don't like about Jesus, but there is one thing that I would say that I would wholeheartedly agree with, and that is this. Jesus was always a friend of sinners. Jesus spent his ministry oftentimes being in the presence of the wrong kind of people. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me into Mark chapter 2. We're going to be reading a few verses in Mark chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen. Listen to what Mark records here in chapter 2, verse 13. 
Once again, Jesus went outside beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Now, I'm not sure that we can truly understand the problem that is going on in this text. We don't have a cultural reference to this today about what the problem was with Levi. We don't live in a country that is occupied by a cruel, overpowering, dominating, oppressive regime. But that's where Jesus was in that day and age. The Romans, they ruled by force, they ruled by cruelty, and they ruled by might. And the Romans had all of these armies all around these little places that they ruled. And one of the problems was Rome had to pay for those armies. So how did they pay for them? Well, through tax collectors, correct? Now here is the problem. They taxed the local people to take their money to be oppressive to them. And they made the local people pay for the upkeep of the army that was oppressing them. And you can imagine that made the people upset. They didn't want to do that, and they didn't like the tax collectors. But the Romans, they, deceived, they figured out a way to make it even worse because they went to local people and they asked them to become tax collectors, to turn on their neighbors and to become the tax collectors. And they took it a step further because they looked at these people and they said, now, you're going to have to give us our taxes, but whatever you collect over and above what you take for us, guess what? You get to keep. So these tax collectors weren't just dishonest, they were disloyal to their people. He wasn't just a cheater, Levi, he was a traitor. If you lived in that time, you would have hated tax collectors. They were the social and moral untouchables of that day and age. And Jesus is out preaching, he's out teaching, He's outreaching people, and his momentum is growing. And at that point, he walks up to a tax collector, and he doesn't say something like, how dare you? Instead, he says, why don't you? And he invites Levi to become his disciple. But the problem gets even worse than just inviting Levi to become his disciple. If we go on in verse 15, listen to what happens next. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. Now stop for just a minute. Did you hear what just happened? Jesus didn't say to Levi, Hey Levi, why don't you come out and let's go, let's go out to dinner together. Let's go out to a restaurant. No, Jesus says, let me come to your house. The text goes on and says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed them. Jesus took it one step further. 
he ate in Levi's house, and Levi invited all of his friends. Now the problem was, who were Levi's friends? The moral and social decaying people in that day and age. The people that no one wanted to associate with. So Levi throws a party, and the guest list are all of the people that had a bad reputation. Now, I think one of the things we can learn about Jesus is Jesus teaches us that sometimes there are more important things than our reputation and then the reputation of the people around us. Listen as it, we go on in chapter 2, verse 16. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked him, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? If you lived in that day and age under those circumstances, with that cruel, oppressive Roman soldier constantly harassing you, you probably would have wondered the exact same thing. Their assumption seemed completely reasonable. It's good to, to avoid bad people. Now our problem is, we read this through 2,000 years of Christian history. We read this through the lens of being taught a bias against the Pharisees. So we are likely to hear their questions in a way that's unfair. We think that's a great question to ask. Why associate with bad people? But let's consider their point of view for just a second. Why were they questioning Jesus? Well, I think their first priority was their commitment to what they thought the Scripture taught. Think about some of the pieces of literature that we read about. Pharisees were all about the law. The books of Moses, the Pentateuch, the law books, they often talked about having the right place and being with the right kind of people, following the law to the letter. As we move into the wisdom books, we read various parts of wisdom about how we are supposed to be. Listen to what Proverbs 12 says. He said, Proverbs says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 24 says, Don't envy evil people or desire their company. And Psalms 1.1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinners, take or sit in the company of the mockers. So behind their question is another question. So who's right? Scripture or Jesus? Because Scripture tells us to avoid bad people. We need to understand there's a tension that's going on in this text in Mark chapter 2. There's a real tension, and I think it's a tension that we still feel today. It's a tension of what are we to do. Because sometimes it's important and it's good to avoid bad people. That funny story at the beginning, I think every dad would have shut the door, barred the door shut, and told the daughter she's never going out with that man. That is a good place to start. But... Sometimes, in fact, it is right to be 
with the wrong people. The text goes on in Mark chapter 2. Listen to what is said. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Understand this truth. Redemption or reputation is important, but redemption is more important to Jesus. You have to remember that when you live with this tension, there is always going to be a struggle. So I want very quickly this morning to unpack three truths that I think this, these scriptures teach us. The first is this. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, to the people, to Levi, to everyone, that no one is well. Jesus has never been afraid to use the S word. We use it more often, or we don't use it very often as well, but he is never afraid to call sin what it is. And when Jesus calls sin what it is, it disrupts the culture. The unreligious people, they don't like to hear when Jesus calls sin, sin, because that means that there is an absolute moral truth that is above them. Or could I be more specific? When Jesus calls sin, sin, I have to realize that there is a moral truth that is above me. And I must surrender to that truth. People that don't know God, they don't want to hear that something is above them. They want to make their own decisions. But when Jesus calls sin, sin, and when Jesus uses the word sinners, it also bothers the religious people. That's because the religious people often create these morality grids that they see things through. Now, I think the Pharisees did it, but I think we still do it today. We have these morality grids, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are sins that are really, really bad, and we don't touch them. We all look and say, those are sins, those people should go away forever, throw away the key. Then there are the next level of sins. Those are sins that are bad, but, you know, we just kind of, we push them off to the side. And then there are the little sins. Those are the sins that we kind of like to overlook because maybe we do those sins sometimes. And we don't like to be held accountable for them. So we create these grids so that we can decide who is good and who is bad. So we can decide who is in and who is out. But Jesus was never about dividing people. Jesus was always about leveling people. Now, let me say something very clearly. I don't believe and I am not suggesting that sin is not bad. Please hear that. He is, Jesus is not declaring that in this, in this scripture. But Jesus is declaring that his most important mission is to call people that no one else would call. He is to call 
the hurting. If you look at the words of Paul in the book of Romans, we understand that there is affirmation to this. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says, It is written that there is no one righteous, not even one. And in a few verses, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, probably one of those Sunday school verses you learn, Paul says, For all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. We are hurt people. We are sinners that need a Savior. Now you need to understand, I took Spanish in high school. My parents are watching in Indianapolis right now. They're probably laughing because I was horrible at Spanish. I, I, I can barely say hola today. My favorite word in Spanish was no because I could say it and I could say it well. But there are a couple of words in Spanish that I think are very interesting. They sound very much alike. The first word is this. It's precador. That means sinner. But there's a second word that's very close to precador. It's predecator, and it means preacher. I find these intriguing because they sound familiar, but they also help me to remember that we are all sinners. You need to understand, I was a sinner before, long before I became a preacher. I am a sinner still today, even though I am a preacher. If God lets me live long enough to retire, I will still be a sinner. Because I am just like you, and you are just like me. We have a nature in us that leads us to sin. And we must crucify that sin nature daily and surrender that control to the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. We don't need to view ourselves as more healthy because we only sometimes sin. And other people sin more than we do. We need to understand that we all need a doctor that is found in Jesus. Every one of us. The bad news is this. We are all sick. But the good news is Jesus can heal us, and he wants to be our friend. The second truth, I think, that we need to understand is this, that because there is no one that's well, but anyone can be healed. Jesus looked at the same person everyone else looks at, but he didn't see the problems in Levi. He saw the person of Levi. When Jesus sees sinners, he doesn't see the problems. He sees the patients. Because Jesus is about healing. Jesus hates sin. He hates disease. But he does not hate a person that is affected and those diseases. You know, in many ways, the questions that the Pharisees ask is very similar to asking a doctor... Why do you go to the hospital? Well, why does the doctor go to the hospital? To interact with the sick and the hurting, those that need healing. Heaven's response is to the infected world 
is not isolation, but it's bringing them together. Now that word isolation is something that we understand a little bit more. Two and a half years ago, isolation, we would have thought, I don't know what that means. We know what that means today, don't we? We can't stand the isolation that we have experienced. Being apart and not being able to embrace and having these different things. Jesus was never about isolation. Jesus was about this wonderful theological word, incarnation. Jesus was about coming into our lives and helping us through our sickness. Jesus is not about hospice care, just being there to take care of us while we're sick until we die. Jesus is about bringing a miraculous cure to us through his blood. Jesus never denied that people didn't have sin and didn't have disease, but what he denied was that that sin was hopeless and that condition couldn't find help. He didn't come to dismiss people. He came to deliver people with their disease. He came to look at people and say, I don't want you to stay where you are. You can be more than that. I love what the writer in 2 Corinthians says. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has become. Jesus is a doctor to those who are sick of being sick. And he cures them, not by becoming sin like them, but by becoming sin for them. Paul goes on to write in 2 Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Please hear me again. Jesus does not blow off sin. Jesus never says that sin is no big deal. Jesus never sweeps sin under the rug. In fact, Jesus puts sin under his own shed blood. The third truth that we need to learn. Because he is willing to do this for anybody it should change how we look at everybody. When we see people, we need to not see people through the lens of that morality grid. We need to see people and understand that they need mercy. Understand this. This text where we read about this tax collector named Levi. You probably know this. But we know Levi by a different name. His name is Matthew. Matthew wrote the first gospel, the first biography of Jesus, just like Mark did. And Matthew put this story in his gospel, just like Mark did. But Matthew adds something that Jesus says to him in this story that I think is so interesting. When Matthew tells this story and gets to the part where Jesus says, I haven't come for the healthy, but for the sick, 
Matthew adds these words in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire, say this word with me, mercy. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the right I have not come to call the righteous, but the who? The sinners. You and me. In other words, what Jesus is saying, when you look at a sinner, when you look at someone who is sinning against God, try to look at them not through the merit grid, but through the mercy grid. And I believe that we have good reason to look at people through the mercy grid. For one thing, none of us know anyone's backstory. I don't know how Levi became a tax collector. I am pretty sure that in Jesus' day, those little Jewish boys didn't look at their moms and their dads when they asked, what do you, you want to be when you grow up? I don't think any of them said, I want to be a tax collector, be hated by all my friends and my neighbors. They probably said something vastly different to that. There must be a story behind why Levi became a tax collector. We just don't know what that story is. And every person that you come into contact with, every person you meet, they have a story. They carry burdens. They carry hurts. They carry struggles. They carry wounds. Many of those wounds that are not healed. So you don't know anything about those wounds. And we can't read anyone's heart. We don't know how much someone wants to be well. We don't know how much they've tried to do this and overcome it to get well. We don't know how much they have struggled time and time again. All we look at is through the judgment eyes. But most of all, we need to look at people through the, through the merit grid because I am aware of my own sickness and you are aware of your own sickness. Each and every one of us struggle just like other people with that sin and we need a savior Jesus tells a story of two people praying in the temple one is a tax collector and the other is a Pharisee you know this story well the Pharisee prays through the merit grid he says thank, he thanks God that he is not like all of the other people not like that tax collector. He lists all of the sins over and over again <coughs> that all of the other people are following that he didn't commit. But in Luke chapter 18, verse 13, Luke records that tax collector's prayer. The tax collector said, God have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. And Jesus said, that is the one who went home justified because he is the only one that was willing to admit how sick he was. And that is true for us. We need to admit how sick we are. 
and how much we need to be changed. If God has saved you, if God has given you a new life, and if you are becoming a better person because of the Holy Spirit, shouldn't that change how you look at everyone? Most people are evil. Most people are just struggling with the sickness of sin. And we need to see them through the lens of the merit. Not through the lens of the merit, but through the lens of mercy. We need to recognize that it is about finding redemption in Jesus. Remember this. Jesus didn't walk up to Levi and say, Levi, come follow me, but you're on probation. Get it together, and I'll come back in a few weeks, and if everything's going well, then you can join my team. Instead, Jesus said, follow me and start to change. So think about it. It's good to be patient with patience. After all, that's what God is doing for us. Even though our sins have been washed away, we still struggle with sin. We still need mercy every day. We still have relapses. But he is still incredibly patient with us. And we should be patient with others. You know, there are a lot of criticisms about the church. One of the criticisms about the church today is that it's full of hypocrisy. Well, we don't go to church, you know, because there are so many hypocrites there. They say one thing on Sunday and they do something else on, on Monday. Can I be honest with you? It's true, isn't it? We all do that some. And I believe that the church is full of sick people in need of the great physician, in need of the doctor that will heal us. When the church ceases to be full of sinners and sick people, we might as well shut the doors and stop doing this. But Jesus wants to bring redemption. Now, I want to do something. Larry does this sometimes. I don't often do this, but I'm going to ask you to do something. This isn't comfortable for me, so understand that. I don't know whether you're watching online or you're sitting here in the room. I want you to turn to somebody close to you, and I want you to say these words. If you knew my whole story, you'd know there was hope for you. Go ahead and do that right now. I hear a few people saying it. Come on. I want to close with this. Ask for mercy all of the time and extend mercy all you can. If Faith Christian Church could begin to do that, let me even be more specific. I believe if the Church of Christ in 2022 could start to do that, could ask for mercy for themselves and extend mercy to those around us, we could transform this world. Jesus wants nothing less and to come and to heal us and to save us. And all he asks for us is to extend that mercy to those around us.
Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that while I was a sinner, you came to bring hope and salvation. I ask, Lord, now that you will help me to be a person that doesn't see through the merit lens, but rather sees through the mercy lens. Seeing people not as their sin and their hurt and their struggle, but seeing them with your eyes. A sinner in need of a Savior. 